0: Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. The Jum'a Khutbah is an essential reminder that calls the believers every Friday to increase in taqwa, God-consciousness. This series shares Jum'a Khutbahs that take place at the Al-Maqasid Seminary. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammadin miftahiba bi rahmatillah. عدد ما في علم الله صلاة وسلام دائمين بدوام ملك الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والا أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله واحدا وربا شاهدا ونحن له مسلمون وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا وقرة أعيننا محمدا عبده ورسوله our Sadahullah, Bil Huda Huda, Wadinil Haki, the hero who added Dini Kulli, while O Kerrihel Kafirun, while O Kerrihel Mushrikun, and my bad, Faya Ibad Allah, in Ni Usikum, one of Siabi Takwallah, for Takwallah, he me lakul Hasenati Kulliha, or Fihi foes and Phil Alhamdulillah, it is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that on this blessed day of Jumu'ah we are able to. Attain the blessings that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and His Messenger have promised for this blessed day. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala gives us very clear messages in the Quran. For the one, for those who reflect on their meanings and implement their realities into their lives, they are indeed successful. And it is this the definition of what is true is success that we really constantly need to revise our understanding what is exa- what exactly is success if you were to ask many people around the world what is success you will get many different definitions you will get many different understandings and we ask allah and we seek refuge in allah from taking our understandings of what true success is from those who reject allah and his messenger we have to understand what is success directly from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Directly through the revelation and directly from his messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sadiq al-Masduq, the one who's never, who had never told a lie in his entire life. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says in the Quran, Every soul shall taste death. Wa And it is in your deeds will only be given to you in full on the day of judgment. So, whoever is spared from the hellfire and entered into paradise, they are successful. They are indeed successful. And the life of this world is no more than a delusion of enjoyment. This is the definition of success according to the Lord of all worlds, according to the creator of the heavens and the earth, according to the one who has knowledge of all that is, all that can be, all that will be, and all that will not be had he decreed it to be, what would change if he did? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. The definition of success is entering into paradise and being saved from the hellfire. If you ask many other people, they would say that success is in wealth, success is in status, success is in... Uh, love, uh, successes in relationships, successes in children, right? Many people have many different definitions of success, right? However, if you were to compare all of their definitions and you will bring in one factor, which is death, all of that will be yatalasha. All of that goes away. Right? Because what what's the benefit of wealth that other people are going to eat from? What is the benefit of a home or real estate that other people are going to live in, right? Whereas our only real estate is about a six-foot deep hole. Right? Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, he would go to the graveyards, and he would speak to the people of the grave after reciting the du'a, where we give salam to the people of the grave. He would say, "Inna in the wa inna sukinat, wa inna he would say that, indeed, your spouses have remarried and your homes are being lived in by someone else and your wealth has been distributed, so what do you have left? Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that true success is in the hereafter. As they say that there is no life after which there is death, and there is no death after which there is true life. So if you were to take the richest person in this world, who everyone applauds for when they walk in the room. Everyone loves them. Everyone follows them as they use the terminology of social media. Every, they have everything that their heart could desire. and could desire. But if the message of Islam reached them and they rejected it, they're in hellfire for eternity. This is our aqidah. This is what we believe with absolute certainty. Now, it's, it's not our prerogative to say who's in the fire or not, but that is the reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. And Allah says that sharr al-bariyya, that they are the worst of creation, right? but you can have the poorest of people, no one cares about them, everyone looks down upon them. As the Prophet said, if they were to knock on your door, you wouldn't let them in. Right? They're dusty, they're disheveled, they don't, look, uh, they don't look very kept, they don't look very presentable. Right? They don't have any possessions to their name, they don't have a 401k, they don't have a pension, they don't have a mortgage, they don't have a house, they don't have any credits whatsoever, no one knows their name, right? but they're believers in Allah and His Messenger, they are the kings of the world, they are the successful indeed, as Allah says, they're the best of all creation, they're believers in Allah. Subh'anaHu wa ta'ala. So this is our definition of success, there is no other definition. And whether we accept it or not, or understand it or not, this is the reality that's coming that is before all of us, that we are heading in that direction. And a person being of the successful or being of those who fail is on the basis of how they end their life. If they end their life with iman, then they are successful. If they end their life in kufr, in disbelief, or associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we seek refuge in Allah from losing our faith after having it, Right. They are the ones who have failed. They are the losers as Allah calls in the Quran. And there is a very beautiful hadith which is both a source of great hope for the sinners but also a source of great fear for those who are obedient. Right. And this is this is the intention of the hadith. It's supposed to cause fear. The Messenger of Allah, he said, e- Indeed, each of you is created in the womb of his mother or her mother for 40 days as a drop of semen. Then... As a leech-like substance for the, for a similar length, then as a chewed piece of flesh for a similar length, so that's 120 days. Right? Then an angel is sent right? and blows in that in that fetus the spirit, the the soul. And then the angel is ordered by Allah subhanahu wa taala to write down four things that are decreed by Allah subhanahu wa taala for this person. The first is to write down his allotted provision, everything that that person will take in their life that they benefit from. This is the definition of provision. Everything that they will benefit from, whether it be money, whether it be food, whether it be uh, family, whether it be community, whether it be knowledge, everything that they will benefit from in their life from the time they are born to the time that they die is written for them. The second is that their, their allotted lifespan will be written. So and so, this child who is about to be born will die on this month, on this day, in this specific year, at this specific time, doing this specific action. Right? It's already decreed. The third thing is that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has our deeds written down. Everything that we will ever do, every action that we do, whether an act of obedience or an act of sin, whether it's outwardly or it's inwardly, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has already written it down out of his knowledge of all that is to be. And then the final four, the final of the four things that Allah orders the angels to write down is the final ending of this person. Whether they are what's called a shaqi wretched, or sa'id, or a felicitous person. The wretched is the one who dies in a state of disbelief. And the one and the one who is felicitous or successful is the one who dies in the state of belief. Now, we may be believers at this moment, but we don't know how we will end. Right? For certainly, there were people in this world who lived their entire life right, as disbelievers, rejecting the truth, but in the last moments of their life, they accepted Islam. They accepted Allah as their Lord and the Prophet Muhammad as their messenger. Right? As one Bedouin man came to the Prophet on a horse, and he came to the prophet and he asked him, who are you? He, the prophet said, I am the messenger of Allah. And a few moments after that, the man said, I believe, right, I, I bear witness that, Allah is, right, that there is no God except Allah and that you are the messenger of Allah. Right at that moment, his horse bucked and kicked him off and threw him off its back and he landed on his neck and he died. Immediately, right, that person, right, immediately after taking the Shahada and accepting Islam, he died that is a person of paradise, regardless of all the years of his life that he lived otherwise, right? But there were people who also believed in the Messenger of Allah وسلم, who are in the rows of the prayer in the masjid with the Prophet right? But after the hijrah to Abyssinia, they became Christian and then refused to turn back to Islam, and they died on, on Christianity. This is their reality, even though they were amongst the Sahaba at one point, but they left Islam. We, don't, we know where we are right now, but we don't know how we will end. And this is supposed to cause fear. This is supposed to cause an urgency in our hearts and a worry about how we will end. Because the heart, the word Qalb, comes from the word Qalaba Yaqribu, which means to turn, constantly turning. So the Messenger of Allah in this beautiful hadith, which is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim, he continues to say, So I swear by the one besides whom there is no God, that one of you will do the deeds of the people of paradise, right, as it so appears to the people. Right, in regards to that which the people see. And this is the narration of Sahih Muslim that adds that, that sentence. Right. They will do the deeds of the people of the para- paradise, as it appears to the people. till so they are but an arm's way length away from it. They're an arm's way, arm's length away from paradise. Then their decree catches up to them, and then they do the, the deeds of the people of hellfire and enter the hellfire. And I swear to you that one of you will do the deeds of the people of hellfire as it appears to the people, until, they are, until there is nothing between them and the hellfire except for an arm's length. Then their decree catches up to them, and they do the deeds of the people of paradise, and they enter paradise. Now, this one sentence that's in the narration of Sahih Muslim is very important. بِمَا yebdulinas, for In regards to that which the people see. Right? Because the outward actions are not, are, are not the reality of the matter. There are many people in the world who outwardly do very beautiful deeds, but inwardly they're seeking other than Allah. They're seeking fame. They're seeking. They're showing off to the creation. They want to be called brave or they want to be called courageous. These outward actions mean nothing to Allah if it's not coupled with the inward reality. And there are many people who outwardly, they may may be sinful, they may have an addiction, they may be stuck in some sin that they can't get out of, but inwardly their hearts are filled with servanthood to Allah, humility before the king. They're crying in their nights and they're remorseful for their sins. These are people who are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, better than a thousand of the former. So this narration should instill fear in all of us because regardless of what we're doing right now, we don't know how we will end and we don't know when that end will be. Right? However, the Prophet ﷺ, right, he told us that Allah taala has created paradise and he has created for paradise inhabitants, right? people who are decreed for paradise. But what is the symbol of those people? He says, and they do the actions of the people of paradise. The biggest sign that you are of the people of paradise is how you act. how The deeds that you do, the, the state of your heart at the moment, what you're aiming for, your objectives in this world. If it's accordance to what the people of the paradise are right, aimed for and sought after and did, right, then you are on the right path. And it is a sign that, that that you will end your life in the same way that you lived it. And the Prophet he said, And indeed Allah Subhanahu created Taala created the hellfire, and created for the hellfire inhabitants, and they do the actions of the people of the hellfire. May Allah save us from that. Right? May Allah make us of the people who do the actions of the people of paradise and then enter it. And then when the people of paradise enter into paradise, and when the people of hellfire, may Allah save us from being them, enter the hellfire, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala calls for death to be brought in the form of a goat. And he has the angels slaughter the the goats. This signifies the end of death. There is no more death after that. And a caller will call out to the people of paradise saying, Ya Ahlul Jannah, O people of paradise, there is no such thing as death anymore. Meaning you're there for eternity. You will never die after this. And then the caller calls to the people of hellfire, O people of hellfire, there is no death. Meaning this is it for you, for eternity. May Allah save us from that. Right? And by means of that call, the people of paradise will increase in their joy, increase in their happiness, and the people of hellfire will increase in their wailing and their torments. We ask Allah for a good ending, so we don't know what our ending will be. We don't know when we will die. We don't know in what state we will die, in what action we will die. There are many people in this world who, are, uh, who, who died in the middle of a sin, in the middle of doing a sin. Right, and there are people who died in the middle of Sajdah, in the middle of Tawaf around the Kaaba, in the middle of praying in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, in the middle of prayer, in the middle of remembrance of Allah, while reciting the Qur'an, like the shaheed Uthman ibn Affan الله, right? These are the people of Allah, and we hope to be of them. Right? But there are signs that we can critique ourselves, and we can look inwardly and grade ourselves, which of the two groups am I resembling? And the Prophet he said in a beautiful hadith, he said من There are four things that are of the signs of wretchedness of the people who are damned, of the people who are losers, the people who will die on kufr on disbelief. And this hadith is narrated by Anas ibn Malik. He says that the Prophet said four things are from the signs of wretchedness: جمود العين the dryness of the of the eyes, the hardness of the heart Qaswatul Qalb. And covetousness for material possessions, wa amal, and long hopes. Four things. The first of them is jumudul al right? The inability to cry. The dryness of the eyes, meaning the inability to cry. And crying, right? Even though in, in, in our society of today, crying is seen to be like, unmanly or it's something that you've lost, right? That you're not strong enough to hold back your emotions or this or that, right? Forget what people say. This is Allah and His Messenger speaking, right? That crying for the sake of Allah is one of the most beloved actions to Allah. It is directly correlated to our purpose in this life, which is to be servants before Allah the Messenger of Allah in many, many hadith mentioned the virtues of crying. Right? But one hadith specifically, right? he brings right, in front of us the reality of the matter. He said, as he walked into the masjid, and he saw a group of his companions laughing excessively loud, right, really loud. And this is how many of our uh, many people of this time laugh. Right? And if you look on social media, majority of it is this. Right? He saw these people excessively loud laughing in the masjid at that. Right? And he said, If you knew what I under, what I know, then you would have cried you would have laughed little and cried much. Right, the reality of the matter, death is coming, the day of judgment is real, paradise is eternal, but are we are, are we aiming for it, or are we seeking other things, or are we heedless of its realities? Right. The Prophet ﷺ, he said that one of the seven people beneath the shade of Allah's throne on the day when there is no shade besides his throne, subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, he is rajulun, right, اللَّهُ uh, خَالِيًا A man or a person who remembered Allah alone and his eyes began to flow with tears. Right? The Prophet said in the hadith narrated by Imam Dailami that crying due to the fear of Allah is a salvation from the fire. It itself is a salvation from the fire. In the hadith of Tirmidhi, the Prophet ﷺ said, A person who cries out of the fear of Allah will never enter the fire until milk returns into the udders. Meaning, never. That's a, right, It's a, a, a hyperbole for like, never. It will never happen. That person will not go to the hellfire because they have sh- strengthened their servanthood before Allah in their humility of their remorse and their crying. Uqba ibn Amir asked the Messenger of Allah, What is salvation? The Prophet gave him three instructions. He said, control your tongue. and let your home be enough for you. Meaning, minimize the the socializing. and cry over your sins. Three things. That's salvation. Control your tongue and cry over your sins. And mix only with the righteous people right this is the state of the righteous and this is how the prophet, the messenger of allah himself وسلم, was he would cry until his beard would become soaked with tears the companions were like that right the righteous after them were like that they would cry out of the gratitude of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they would cry out of love for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they would cry out of the sense of deficiency in fulfilling the rights of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right yet those who deserve to cry the most are the ones laughing are the ones heedless, are the ones right, uh, giggling and frivolous in frivolous activities and not ashamed before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they've used the blessings of Allah in his disobedience. Right? Now, this, this does not mean that we should be sad all the time. And the Prophet, he was not always sad. Right? However, we need to make sure that our joy and our happiness are for the sake of Allah, not in heedlessness. Right. Allah says, fal in, in that, let them rejoice. Meaning, in, in the mercy of Allah, in the bounty of Allah, in the blessings that Allah has given us, especially the, mes- the blessing of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, and the Qur'an, then rejoice in that. That our joy should be al- in alignment, right, in al- aligned with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is pleased with. Right? So we need right, the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, he was happy, but his happiness was for the sake of Allah. His sadness was for the sake of Allah, his anger was for the sake of Allah, and his joy was for the sake of Allah, not for his own nafs, not for his own uh, whims and desires. Hashah and Imam al busayri he says, right? and, and release tears from an eye, from the eye that has been filled with the haram. And, and adhere to the diet of remorse. Adhere to the diet of remorse. This is the first of the four signs. And the Prophet ﷺ, he told us that when you are in the prayer or when you're reciting the Qur'an, uh, he says, that uh, then cry. And if you cannot cry, then try to make yourself cry. فَإِنْ tabku تَبْكُوا tabakaw. If you cannot cry, then force yourself to cry. Right, because not being able to cry, as Imam Al Ghazali says, that if you can't cry over your sins, then you should cry over the fact that your heart is dead. That's even worse than the sins. Right, So crying, and we ask Allah to make us of those who shed tears for his sake. Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. The second of the signs is the hardness of the hearts, And these two are d- deeply related. Right, And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says, right, can the misguided be like those whose hearts Allah has opened to Islam? So they are enlightened by their Lord. So, woe to those whose hearts are hardened from the remembrance of Allah. It is they who are clearly astray. Their hearts have been hardened from the remembrance of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. And the Prophet he told us one of the most, um, the biggest causes for a hard heart. He says Iyaka, uh, He said, la Allah. Do not speak a lot, excessively, without remembering Allah. Right. One hour, two hours, three hours we're chit chatting with our friends and not a single moment did we mention the name of Allah and his messenger. Not a single moment was the topic about something that Allah and his messenger are pleased with right but rather it is about the dunya it is about this celebrity, that celebrity female yaani that thing that which has nothing to do with our hereafter right excessive speaking without remembering Allah and the prophet continues he says in because abundantly speaking excessively without remembering Allah is a hardness for the heart. And indeed the furthest of the people from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, are the hard-hearted. Now a sign that the heart is hard, besides this excessive speaking, right, is that if one's sins do not affect their heart anymore. The Messenger of Allah said that if your good deeds make you feel good and your bad deeds make you feel bad, then you are a true believer. That is a good thing. Right? It is not, Allah doesn't expect us to be completely sinless. That's for the prophets. They're divinely protected from sin. Right? But we are going to make mistakes. But it is a good sign of the heart that when you do make a mistake, or when I do make a mistake, and we slip, and we fall a victim to our nafs, that we feel bad. It hurts our heart. It hurts our soul. Right? But it is likely that in a person whose heart is soft, and a person whose heart is still pure, it is likely that they'll do a minor sin. In in the classification of the scholars, what would be a minor sin, but they're broken because of it. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that, right? And they're they're crying out of remorse. They're upset, right? But if a person is con- constant in doing sins and constant in doing sins, especially if there's no repentance following them, right, then the heart becomes harder and harder and harder and harder, such that they can do a major sin. Look at something completely haram, right? Backbite someone. Right? Or do whatever sin it is, major sin, and they don't feel anything. They don't even bat an eye. Right? This is a, a very bad sign. And we ask Allah to, to, to protect us from that. The third sign is covetousness over worldly possessions. The messenger of Allah, said, If the child of Adam had a valley of gold, he would love to have two valleys. If the child of Adam had a valley of gold, he would love to have two valleys. And nothing will satiate their desires except for the dirt. And literally, the translation is, "Nothing will fill his mouth except for the dirt," meaning, and the mouth obviously is right, uh, a metaphor for their desires, right, consuming, right. But what is the dirt that is referred to here? Death. Right? That nothing will stop them from having this covetousness for worldly possessions, right, except death. And the Prophet ﷺ said that two people are never satiated. Two people who are covetous are never satiated. The one who is covetous over knowledge right, is never satiated. And the one who is covetous over worldly possessions is never satiated. No matter how many houses, no matter how many cars, no matter how many gold chains, no matter how how many of this or that, it will never be enough. It will never be enough. And I've been blessed to see this firsthand. And it's unfortunate to be, having to be able to see this right, at, a, at a young age, I saw a man, right, he would tell me all the time, all he had to do is win one lottery ticket and he's good and he's happy, settle all his debts and he's happy, right? And I was there the day he scratched that ticket. He won $25,000 on a on a scratch-off and five days later, he was in debt $3,000, five days later, right? It was never enough. Even after he won that, he bought more scratch-offs, Right? It is never enough, no matter what we delude ourselves in reality, if we let our heart incline toward worldly possessions in and of themselves, it will never be happy. Even if we get it, we'll want more. And Especially in a consumer-based society, we really need to protect our hearts from falling into this. It's very easy to fall into this in the society. right? And we need to watch out for statements like, I'll be happy if I have such and such. I'll be happy if I have this or that. Once I get my house, then I'll be fine. Once I get this uh, new car, I'll be fine. We need to worry about these kind of statements coming from our mouths because the the tongue is the reporter of what the state of the heart is. Or saying, I have to have this, or I have to have that. Right? What we have to have is Allah and His Messenger. Right? Everything else is secondary. And the final one, which is arguably one of the most dangerous, is thulul amal, long hopes. Now there are a few different definitions of this. But the scholars, they define long hopes is uh, the desire to remain in this world and the dislike to leave it. That's one definition. The desire to remain in the dunya and the dislike to move on to the hereafter. The second definition is the assumption that one will live for a long time. The assumption that one will live for a long time. Now, Imam al-Ghazali, he beautifully explains this, this sickness of the heart. And he says that there's two causes for this one. For long hopes, there are two causes. One is ignorance. Right? The ignorant person who is that is the young person who thinks that only old people die. That's ignorance, right? Or the healthy person who thinks that only sick people die, right? Or any person who who assumes that they can never die suddenly. That sudden death is not a possibility. That it has to be gradual. It has to be you have to get a diagnosis first, and then slowly you start to deteriorate. And then one day when you're comfortably in your bed, and then maybe you'll die. Right? No. right? Sudden death is a reality. Right? But what should they do? Every single one of us should assume that we are just like every single other person. That we can die now. We can die suddenly. We can die before our elders. We can die even if we're healthy. And one of the great uh, scholars and great callers to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-Ala of Pakistan, his name is Hajj uh, Abdul Wahab, Sahib, as they Uh, some of you may know, he, he said himself in a talk, he said that five doctors gave me a diagnosis that I'm going to die, and I led all five of their janazah. I led all five of their funeral prayers. And he was bringing home this exact point, that death is a reality, right? And the poets, they say that it is possible that a person, that the bricks that are going to be laid in one's grave are already made, right, but that person has no clue. That person is walking around doing their day-to-day activities and God forbid in sins and in the pleasures of their of their the sinful pleasures of their nafs, but their, their grave is already being dug. The first cause is ignorance. The second cause is love of this world. Love of this world. And the Prophet said that love of this world is the source of all sins. Is the source of all sins. Right? And what does this mean? It means that one finds comfort solely in this world, and enjoys its relationships and its pleasures, divorced from any any affiliation with Allah's pleasure. Right? Now Imam Al Ghazali, he continues, he says that therefore such a person does not like to think about death. They don't want to talk about it. Anytime it's brought up, they change the subject. They don't want to speak about death. Right? And whenever death is spoken about, they try to change the subject. They try to busy their mind with things that are more happy, that more uplifting, more meaning more distracting. Not uplifting, but more distracting. Right? Instead of embracing the reality. Right? And Imam Ghazali describes this person, and this is, this is possible to be any one of us. We could all fall into this, and we ask Allah for protection from that. Right? He says that if death and the need for preparing for it crosses the mind of this person, what happens? First thing, they procrastinate. When I'm older, then I'll go for hajj. When I'm older, then I'll make up those prayers. When I'm older, then I'll start making sure I fast every month, right? They delay it. They procrastinate. Then when they're slightly older, they'll say, well, when I retire, I need to get something settled. Then when I retire, then I'll do hajj, and then I'll, be, I'll pay zakat, and I'll do all of these things, and I'll stop doing this sin. I'll, I'll quit smoking. I'll quit drinking, Right, and then he, Imam Ghazali says, then one when, when they do actually retire, he says, right, when I'm done building my house, sound familiar? A lot of uh, a lot of uh, people, right, may Allah save us from this, have this understanding that when I finish getting my house settled, my mortgage is paid off, this and that, right? And then he says that when that's done, they get their house, right? And this is centuries ago. He's speaking about this, but it's still relevant. He says that when that's done, he says, when I get back from my travels, I want to see the world. I want to go on this cruise or that cruise or this trip or that trip. Right? And then once they get back from those trips, what is the next thing? Instead of saying, okay, now I need to prepare for death. I'm getting older, especially I mean, death is even more certain for me. Right? Instead, he says, I need to make sure my child is stable. I need to make sure he has a house. I need to make sure that he's okay. That he's got a good job, that he or she is married, that he or she is stable, right? And then Imam Ghazali adds more. After that, I need to make sure my neighbor doesn't you know, beat me by getting more things than I do and so on and so forth. And they and he says he says he continues to occupy himself with one thing that leads to ten, right? Also, he doesn't have to deal, deal with the reality of leaving this world. Also that he doesn't have to deal with the reality of leaving this world. But it's not a solution whatsoever. Right? The solution, right? Each of these four things can be cured by one thing. And we all speak about that. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Hirobil Adameen was solatu was Sadam, or the Sadinam Hamadin, while the Adi he was happy he, while wa be a wa illa Yomadin, while Lena Maham wafi him be Rahmatika, yea, or Hamrahimin, ashadu ala illa in the law, where Shadu Enna Sayedina, Mohammedan Rasunullah, yea, I bad the law, in the Usikum, one of Sibita called law, and bad. The inability to cry. The Qaswatul qalb, the hardness of the heart, covetousness over worldly possessions and material gains, and long hopes, meaning the desire to remain here longer, uh, or the forgetting the fact that death is imminent. All of that have one cure. One cure can solve all four of those, and that is to reflect on the inevitability of death and the eternality of the hereafter. Right? Such a reflection that leads to certainty that if we reflect enough and in the proper manner Which we will describe as Imam Ghazali describes, right, then this will imbue in the heart's conviction Certainty and this is what Allah calls death in the Quran. He calls it certainty because that is the reality right? and once the certainty is attained Right. one will attain the true tranquility and serenity that is there to attain in this life not just a delusion of enjoyment which is a physical pleasure in the disobedience of Allah but but true serenity of the whole of the heart right as well as right success in the next world right, which is dying on faith and being afforded the great ranks of paradise and to see that taala's countenance in paradise in the company of the Messenger of Allah So Imam al-Ghazali in the final book of his beautiful work, Ihya Ulam al The Revival of Religious Sciences, he mentions in the chapter of Reflection that the most effective method of reflecting on death. The most effective method of reflecting on death. And I kind of summarized this because it was a bit gruesome it was a bit heavy, the details of this. Right? He says in summary, he says the most effective method is to ponder about one's peers, meaning a person of one's own age, one's own class, one's own, someone like you, right? And those similar to himself that have already died. To ponder about people your age that have died, people of your area that have died, people in your family that have died, Right? Reflecting on their deaths. But what should we reflect about specifically? How they died. right? How did they die? Right? In a lot of cases, it was sudden. In some cases, it was not. Right? In some cases, they were ready. In other cases, they really weren't. Right? How they were buried in the soil. Right? And if anyone has attended a Janazah, it's very profound to look at. Right? To watch someone you love be put in the ground and soil be thrown on top of them. Uh, Sayyidah Faltima, she, she said to the companions, Right Did did your hearts, were your hearts okay with throwing dirt on the Messenger of Allah? Right? she she said that out of a complete state that she was in of love of the Messenger of Allah, she couldn't unfathom that someone would do that, but that's the reality. Right? The third is how they used to be before they died. If we right, many of us who have people who passed away in their lives, we remember that day. We remember them the night before or the day before or the the, the week before, and we remember all oh, they were happy they were doing this they were doing that right many times they were caught in, into things that they should not have been in right and sometimes they were not sometimes they were ready right sometimes it was a good ending right but just before they died if you were to tell them at that moment you're going to die tomorrow they wouldn't they may not have believed you they might not have believed you right what their goals were right they wanted to be a doctor they wanted to be a lawyer they wanted to go to this place they wanted to go to that place cut short what they were doing near the end whilst having no clue that death was near the night before they were cooking food for their family and they were, they were hanging out with their children or their, their grandparents and then but they had no clue at that moment that death was tomorrow or that night right the next is and this is the one I summarized what their beautiful appearances must look like now that they were decomposed that they are decomposing Right? And he talks about how they had beautiful eyes, but now their eyes are being eaten by worms, and how they had beautiful uh, appearances, but now their appearances are being right, decomposed, bones and skeletons. It's really intense, but this is a reality. Right? This is not something that we shy away from by ignoring. right? Like the ostrich who sticks its head in the sand, which is not actually true, apparently, right? who sticks his head in the sand right? right? so that no one can see me now. right? It's a metaphor, even though it's not real. How their wealth now belongs to someone else. That car that they were driving, that beautiful car that they just got, right? Now someone else is driving it, right? How their family and their children all left behind. Right now, he says, one should realize with absolute conviction that this is the same end that is imminent for all of us. The only difference is some of us are prepared and some of us are not. Abu Dhar تعالى, he said that when you think of the deceased, consider yourself amongst them. Right? Now though it may seem morbid, it is a cure for many. Though it may seem morbid, it is a cure for many spiritual illnesses. Many of the illnesses that we have in our heart that are blocking us from true her- serenity in this life right, are because of a neglect of understanding and embracing the reality of death. Ibn Umar تعالى, he said, that the mes- I came to the Messenger of Allah as ten- the 10th person of 10 people. Right? A man from the Ansar said, who is the most intelligent and honorable person of all people, O Messenger of Allah? Right? He replied, the one who remembers death the most and has most intensely prepared for it. The one who remembers death the most and most in- has most intensely prepared for it. That is, the most intelligent and the most honorable of all people. He, the Prophet continues, they are the intelligence. They have taken the honor of this world and the nobility of the next. And Ka'b al-Ahbar alayhi ta'ala He says that whoever knows death, the problems and worries of the world are easy for them. Right? Who cares about right, the small things that go on in life? Who cares if there's a dent on the car? Who cares if there's right, something wrong in the house or this thing has to be done? Thing, right. When one, one realizes that death is before them, right, everything else becomes secondary. And in that there's a felicity before the felicity of the next life. <speaking> in Allahu <Hebrew> اللهم who وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى the سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى one سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى one سيدنا محمد كما باركت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى who سيدنا إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد ورضي الله تعالى عن ساداتنا الخلفاء الراشدين أبي بكر وعمر who وعلي وعلى جميع ساداتنا الصحابة الكرام وأهل بيت رسول الله المطهرين من الأرجاس وعماء ماميه سيدنا أرثمان وعم وحمزة وعباس وعلينا معهم وفيهم برحمتك يا أرحم رحمين يا أرحم رحمين يا أرحم رحمين اللهم فلي للمؤمنين والمؤمنات وال穆سلمين والمسلمات الأحياء منهم والأموات أو الله سبحانه وتعالى we ask you to make us of those who are su'ada, who are felicitous, who in your divine decree and in your knowledge, in all-encompassing knowledge, have been decreed amongst those who will end their life with iman, and that will end their life in a good state, in a state that is pleasing to you, so that they enter into paradise amongst those who enter without any reckoning whatsoever. O Allah, we ask you not to punish us for anything, and not to ask us anything, and not to, to neglect us, neglect rewarding us for anything, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we asked you right, to make our actions righteous, that we live a life like the life of the people of the paradise. And we ask you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to protect our hearts from ever adopting any of the false understandings of those who reject you and your messenger. And we ask you, O oh, to put in our hearts the reality of death, the understanding of its importance, and to change our dislike for it into a longing for your meeting. As you said, as your Prophet told us, that whoever loves to meet Allah, that you love to meet them, O Allah, make us of those who love to meet you, and make us of those who long to meet the Prophet and to drink from His blessed hands and to be into and enter into paradise under His His intercession, and that you be pleased with us, and that you love us, and you love to meet us, and that you be pleased with us for eternity in paradise, and save us, Ya Allah, from entering the hellfire. And we ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the complete humility of our hearts and the brokenness of our states and the, our lack of deserving any of your blessings whatsoever, and our being ashamed of all of the sins that we've done and the way that we've lived our life to this point. We ask you, Allah, by your mere solely, just your from your birth your mercy and your bounty to allow us to say the, the in our last words in this world, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That the last words that enter in, uh, that come out of our mouths before our soul follows it, are la ilaha Upon it we live and upon it we die and upon it we raised in paradise insha'Allah. Inna allaha ya'mur bil adli wal ihsani wa ita'i di al wa yanhaa anil wal munkari wal bahi. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ اللَّهَ الْعَظِيمَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ عَلَىٰ نِعَمِهِ يَزِدْكُمْ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ مَا Thank you for listening to one of Al-Maqasid's online educational offerings. Our mission at Al-Maqasid is to cultivate holistic learning environments rooted in knowledge, devotion, and service by providing full-time, part-time, online, and community programs. For more information, please visit our website at al and connect with our other online content at al backslash connect.